You're so crass, said May's mom. Oh, that's nothing. You want to see crass, said May. May's mom replied, What are you doing? Stop moving like that. May said, What's wrong? Is this bothering you? Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Tom, and with me is... KJ. Additionally, joining us as guests this week are... Rachel. Nora. Andy. And I'm Chris. Thanks for joining us. Everybody conveniently likes movies. Isn't that right, everyone? Yeah. 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 Yes. The enthusiasm was not uniform, but it was there. <laughs> for those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz, as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, And in round two, each question is worth two points. Then... Once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant where anything goes. And today we're going back to 2022 to visit the recently released movie Turning Red. Pixar's Turning Red is Domi Shi's directorial debut. There will be spoilers in this episode for Turning Red, so be warned. This is a film about... A 13-year-old girl, she just turned 13, uh, me, and she's a Chinese-Canadian girl living in Toronto with her mother and father, uh, Ming, played by Sandra Oh. And Ming and her, Ming is her mother, are very close. Um, however, Ming is very controlling and very worried about her daughter. And her daughter has more or less responded well to this, is a straight A student, is very successful in these various clubs she does, until one day she wakes up after a humiliating embarrassment that her mother causes her in, in a public space and discovers that she is transformed into a giant red panda. Her mother, however, knows about this and informs her that this is actually part of a family tradition and that she has approximately a month to perform a ritual, in which case the panda will be trapped and then uh, me will be free to, to be a 13-year-old girl again. But during that month, she has to endure possibly transforming into a panda every time she loses control over her emotion. KJ. If you had one word to describe turning red, what would it be? O-M-G. Chris? Definitely adolescence. Uh, Rachel, what do you think? Expressive. Dora, what's your word? I guess my word would be uh, frenetic. Andy? Cutie eyes. <laughs> That's two words. <laughs> it's hyphenated. It's hyphenated. We allow for hyphens on this show. We're very generous with them. Uh, and my word would be busy. It's time for question one. What book is Priya reading at the beginning of the film? Locked in. 
I have no idea. It's a deep cut. <laughs> Don't stress, it's only worth one point. I, I'm going to say locked in. I'm going to say locked in too. I decide that now when I uh, I don't know it, I'm going to just say locked out. All right. <laughs> oh, Tom, I can picture the book and I can picture the title, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Locked in. All right, KJ, you have to go first, buddy. Um, the novelization of Teen Wolf. Okay. Andy, you're up next. I'm going to go with Wuthering Heights. All right. <laughs> it's certainly wrong, but I, I appreciate your ardor. Okay, Nora, you're up next. I feel like it was trying to be Twilight, but they probably couldn't say Twilight. So that's what it couldn't be. I'm like, it was some. It was like vam- my vampire boyfriend or something. I don't hmm. <laughs> like fake Twilight. Basically, is my guess. Okay, fake Twilight. <laughs> really good book if you've ever read it. <laughs> Rachel, what do you have? I had Nora's answer. Uh, it was one, it was a Twilight wannabe, uh, copyright protected, and I think it had the word vampire on the front. All right, and lastly, the most confident, maybe the only confident person in this question, and that is Chris. That high bar. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I was super confident, but it was definitely Twilight. He was the best Batman so far, and I think it was called Nightfall. All right, and the point goes to Chris. The one person who redeemed this question. <laughs> All right, thank you. So I brought this question forward not really to talk about Robert Pattinson or uh, Twilight knockoffs, but the this kind of circle of girls which make up the heart of the movie. Um, we have Priya, Mir, um, May, and Abby are our, our friends here. And I want to know what people thought of them, thought of their their kind of relationship, et cetera. I liked how different the characters were. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a crew, you know, you gotta you gotta have the different players in the crew. I also really liked their friendship. I felt like that was that that's what kept me watching is is you know, a, a movie with friendships in it is always kind of enjoyable. Um, and this was no exception that the girls' friendship with each other. Yeah, I, I, I really dug the friendship aspect because it really seemed like it was what centered her when she was having trouble with family, when she was having trouble at home. It was her, her the family she chose was able to comfort her and kind of like help her control things. So I thought that was a really good aspect. And I, I thought all four of those characters were different enough to be interesting. And at the same time, you could definitely see these four girls in middle school hanging out and, and geeking out over, you know, the, the latest boy band or the latest Twilight book. It was, I really enjoyed that whole dynamic between the four of them. I really liked the, uh, like, the, like when they were in like defense mode, if anyone tried to do anything to any one of them, they were like immediately on attack. But then sometimes they'd be like, but wait, that was really weird that you did that. Like, it's like, <laughs> I also have questions, but I will also kill anyone who tries to touch like that just very you know i the whole thing made me think about how i would you cannot pay me a million dollars to be a 13 year old girl again like not for all the money in the world and like how important it is to have like those close friendships is like basically the only way through it yeah i loved how uh how much of a role model it was i felt like for young girls in terms of like what a friendship should look like um i think the one thing that struck me was they were definitely middle school girls, but then just watching their friendship was, it was very mature, um, right? I mean, they were all super weird in some capacity, but they all, you know, didn't care about their weirdness and 
most eighth grade girls in some level do care about weirdness. And so it was, um, I, I liked that they leaned in the mature as kind of a, Hey, this is what real friends look like. And this is how you can be a good friend. Um, so yeah, I appreciated that aspect of it. The friends also are in tension with the mother and the family, which is interesting that the, the thing that may inherits from her mother, the red panda thing, um, that gets calmed or goes away when she thinks of the girls, that that sort of heritage vanishes and she could be modern when, when she thinks of, of their relationship. And so that also has kind of an, an interesting tension there that the girls are, um, towards the beginning of the movie, the thing that's maybe pulling her towards this individual identity, uh, and by the end, there's kind of a compromise she's able to make with the girls and with whatever, you know, her affection and her responsibilities towards her mother. Well, I think it's also like, I mean, the heritage symbolism is interesting. I really saw it as like, it's, it's that transition from like, when kids are little, like their parents are fulfilling all of their needs. They're, you know, whatever, they fall down and get a boo-boo or whatever, like, or, you know, somebody was mean to me at school all of that comes to the parents. And then there's like this transition point where they start getting that support from their friends. And it's like the mother was clearly not okay with the fact that like there were other people that were gonna be stepping into like what was like her territory. And I feel like by the end, it's more, it's like also that balance of like both the mother and the daughter realizing like that's okay and that's part of it. Like your family is not gonna be everything. You have to create that, you know, your relationship with the, you know, peers basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and her finding comfort in the, uh, to calm her down from being the panda, I interpreted it as um, certainly she felt um, like loved by her friends, but that I saw it as like that was, that was her true self, like she was her true self with her friends. And so when she was able to connect with like her real identity or her true identity, it was able to ground her and the identity kind of around her mom, right, there was that question of like, you know, her mom talking about later in the movie about her being a rebel and, and uh, doing all these things that her daughter would never do. And so I felt like it was very much so walking that line of like, she had this alter ego almost with her mom um, and with her friend, she could just be herself. How did you guys feel about their role in the, the final act and the climax of the film? In other words, they, they seem to support her a lot throughout the film, but then they're, they're, their final act was getting the boy band back together. Did what that, do you mean? So at, at the very end, they, they had to sing to get um, mm -hmm. the pandas back in check. And her friend's role was to grab the five singers that sing. I, I didn't know if, did that feel a little cheap? Did that feel a little not enough for what they could have done? Maybe I'm reading too much into a kid's film. I liked it because it, it was a throwback to when they wanted to sing karaoke together. Like it was just them mm. being themselves. Like they were all just acting exactly how they had the entire movie. They were being like true to their own identity, I guess, if you will. And in that moment, yeah, they were singing with whoever these these five boy band people are. But at the same time, they were just still the four of them acting exactly how they had been the entire time. And it uplifted everything, I guess. Well, and I also took it to like, kind of like they needed it's it seemed like you know more people singing was like making 
the whole ceremony more powerful. And that a little bit, it was like bringing together the two parts of her life, like so that her family was there and doing that. But then her friends were like supporting her and like getting more like, if what you need is more than like the guys with the microphones, like, like that is like, I kind of viewed it less as like about getting the boy band back together. And like, this is what you need. You need singing. So like, we're here and we're going to sing too. Like, does it matter what we're singing? Hopefully not, because we're going to sing this weird boy band song. It's time for question two. What is the one rule of the Panda Photo Club? There's one written rule. Locked in. Locked in. Oh, KJ beat you there. Locked in with best guess. (laughs) Locked in. I guess locked in. All right, Rachel, you're first. What do you have? I was going to say, don't touch the panda, but that doesn't make any sense. But I'm going to say it anyway. Don't touch the panda. (laughs) Okay. Very good. And you're right. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Andy, what do you have? This is almost definitely wrong, but uh, no posting on social media. Okay. Yes. And again, you're right. That is definitely wrong. <laughs> Nora, what do you have? Don't talk about Panda Photo Club. Oh. <laughs> and the second rule? Chris, you just lost the login. What do you have? It's the name of the boy. I want to say it's Trevor. Okay. And yes. KJ, what do you have? Yes. I have two answers. Um, should I do my joke answer or my real one first? Uh, you can go for your joke one. Okay. Uh, you don't talk about Bruno? No, no, no. Uh, no Tyler's allowed. No Tyler's allowed. Oh, Tyler's. Okay. Tyler's. Very good. And the uh, point goes to KJ. Chris was so close. Chris, I was going to give it to you if KJ didn't know the actual the actual name of the person but it was no tyler's all right so that brings us to the i didn't really necessarily want to talk about tyler but feel free but i did want to bring up the central conceit of the film which is the red panda itself uh and i was interested uh, what people thought of that how that worked what it meant how it functioned how you felt about it anything in all please go for it when we were talking before about her uh, friends allowing her to to calm down and get out of the pandaness, um, it's interesting because uh, you know the emotional response was definitely a trigger for it at the beginning. But then when she was with her friends, it's not that she um, it's really that she gained control when she was with her friends. I felt like she was she was comfortable. With, comfortable enough to, to choose who she wanted to be to, to like deploy either side of her personality that she wanted to, you know, we all, I, I love the saying we contain multitudes, you know, and, and everybody does. And, and the ability to know yourself and choose to arm yourself with the, the right thing for the moment, uh, I think is a, a power as you get older. So the can't, the, the, the choice of Panda versus uh, Mei Lin, um she gets to choose at will enough to basically become a a, a superhero i mean she pretty much uh, got from her house to the stadium in record time by just like ghosting herself into the panda making a new form of transportation so i think i think she has barely plumbed the depths of her uh <laughs> of her panda powers i feel like uh the actual animal of the red panda was not one that like I really had a huge familiarity with 
but all three of my kids were like red panda like i don't know if they're like is like a different level of animals being taught in school (laughs) but i was like you know i felt like when i was younger it's like fair like we're getting fancy you know regular whatever like right great the um but i mean i think like there was the whole like oh like that wasn't like something they made up for the movie that kids would do if they saw a red panda all three of the kids were like obsessed so i i I was like an i mean definitely obviously culturally important animal but i like i think it also worked like kids love red pandas who knew did that start with mario 3 right mario 3 is a is that what he was it's a takuni yeah yeah a tanuki yeah tanuki and that's a red panda right that's so did it, you know, we, we just missed that generation of, but that inspired, is that, I don't know. I guess, maybe. I mean, I played a lot of Mario 3. I think locally, the Red Paint is also at the Philadelphia Zoo. So if anybody spent oh. any time at the Philadelphia Zoo, like through their childhood, mm-hmm. that's the only panda bear at the zoo, at least the Philadelphia oh. Zoo. So maybe that's why they, they know it. Yeah, I, used to, I worked there in college and uh, it was quite popular, the Red Panda when I was there. But then I was going to say the I feel like um, the pandemic, right, when the pandemic happens, the zoo had to stay open, but not to the public. And so they started streaming from the oh. zoo. And so you would see all the animals, you would see them feed them, you would see them interact with them. Um, so I felt like the red panda got a lot of attention then. And it's and there's a lot of like videos um, online. And, and I laughed because they did it in the movie when the panda turns the every time the red panda turns the corner. It goes like this with its hands up. I forgot you guys can't see me. <laughs> its hands are up. And that's what red pandas do. If you just Google like scared red panda, you'll find like tons and tons of videos of red pandas going like this. And so there's people that'll they'll do they'll do like a, a back and forth between their baby, like getting scared and a red panda. And they talk about how their like baby looks like a, a scared red panda. Um, but I, yeah, I think the videos during COVID really helped it. But my daughter's favorite animal two plus years ago was a red panda and so yeah somebody's somebody's doing something right in red yeah, panda, marketing red, world. Pa- yeah, red panda pr it, that person needs a raise i i thought in the, to, getting back to the movie for a second i thought the, in the, the the movie they introduced the red panda as like a very very strict metaphor for like adolescence and like coming of age and maturing and then i think it definitely morphed into a whole gamut of different things for different people at different stages of their lives like what the the red panda for the mom spoiler alert everybody turns into pandas apparently <laughs> uh that it's it's a different thing for the mom than it was for the grandmother than it was for the aunt so like it was definitely a a multifaceted metaphor but i think it was definitely meant to be a little bit metaphoric to growing up and coming of age and that kind of friction that sometimes happens between parents and their offspring uh, as as their roles change with each other. Uh, like Nora had said before, how like parents are like the world to their kids when they're young, and then they kind of start to fade apart. And it's the is it is how does how does the parents take it versus how do the kids feel about it? And and that kind of dichotomy is is definitely there in the in the metaphor. I think. Yeah, and you have the the. I mean, the obvious one also is the, the kind of puberty metaphor that that comes with that, right? Where you're physically suddenly different than you were before, um, which is is part of that development. What I thought was interesting, and, and I liked how you described it, Chris, as, as kind of a multifaceted metaphor, was that it the the panda isn't just 
something that happens to this one girl. It's something that's been happening to this one family that comes from this kind of myth. And so it has this sort of almost like a like Greek creation story type thing or or one of those Greek myths that explains why why an echo occurs or um, or, or something like that explains why the stars are the way they are it, is that uh, it kind of explains that these kind of physical transformations started in you know however many thousands of years ago and then we've inherited today and that's why the way the world is and so it kind of brings that myth into um, into a very, very specific modern context, namely 2002. <laughs> so you get, you get a year and a place in, in which that kind of myth is, is made real again. Um, and so there's this odd kind of, what I did like about, the, you know, I, I struggled with this movie a little bit, but, but what I did like about this movie is that the panda becomes also this, this balance between um, who you're going to be, which is then you're going to be independent and different from the, the people who raised you, but you're also a product of those people that in, in a lot of ways, yes, you can't go home again. And unfortunately, you will always be home. <laughs> you know, the, those two impossible things are both possibly true at the same time. And I think that the panda kind of lives with uh, the panda functions in that way. How's it just one dimension? I had asked my daughters what their favorite parts of the movie were. And this was the scene, Tom, the, the fundraising scene that my youngest daughter said um, was, was her favorite scene, the dancing, the fun everybody was having. Mm-hmm. Um, the fundraising scene, the um, when they first go to the temple? No, oh, no. The, oh, when they're, yeah, the No, the no Tyler's Club. Yep. Scene. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Got, got to break out the merch to make it real money. <laughs> yeah. Why did they like that scene? I didn't ask. I, I think um, <laughs> they, <laughs> um, I, I think it was the energy and, and the fun they were having. Um, I, I feel like uh, my daughter Hannah got to feel like she was kind of there with them, or, or mm-hmm. wanted to be there with them, with the panda, getting the swag. Right? It, it was in the school, so a very familiar environment. So I, I think the the party aspect mm-hmm. um, is why they liked it. I mean, they were a takeover friends. I, I if I were a teenage girl, I would be jealous of that group of friends too. You know what I mean? Yeah, plus they get to hug a red panda. That's true. That too. <laughs> we asked our kids what their favorite part was, and I forget what the older two said, but the youngest one was like, I like when she was shaking her booty to make her mommy all mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Noted. <laughs> she she did a preview for us again at dinner yes. tonight so there was a dramatic reenactment of that as well as she was talking about. here we are at the end of round one and we have a tie with one point apiece and that is chris and kj nora andy and rachel are right behind it's anyone's game in round two see you after the break Hello, and welcome back to B-Side. Finally, it is B-Side. Today we're going to be talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We're going to be discussing the famous W.F. Murnau film from 1927, Sunrise. The Icelandic movie from 2015, 
Rams. Juzo Itami's 1985 picture, Tam Popo. And today I'm going to be talking about a good old film that we just covered, and this is 1984's Ghostbusters. Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side, wherever you listen to Talking Pictures Trivia. All right, and we are back. Now I want to ask this 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 legion of guests that we have today our <laughs> guest question but there's just there are too many to get everyone to give us their sequel and so I want a kind of community sequel uh, a uh, a group of us working together to form the sequel to this picture so who wants to start who has an idea that we can build on I, I have a start okay what do you got Andy so you know four town massive hit uh, pop star band but in the sequel the family has created a, a new group called panda town mm. <laughs> where they're all yes. pandas but they perform the dance numbers and everything and sometimes they do for you know four town like throwback covers but, mm-hmm. but panda town has its own vibe too yeah i got you can we get a little crossover with the sing group you know, like all the animals from Sing can come over and we can have like a panda yeah. off. Oh, so now, yeah. So Andy's got the base. Andy's got the, the concept. Chris has introduced the cinematic universe aspect, which is what everybody, every producer looks for. Now, what is the conflict? What conflict do we have? So yeah, they're on Sing, possibly. There's a panda group. Does somebody want to leave the club? Or or they they somebody loses their ability to re-panda oh no mm, lose your because panda. they're because they're maturing too much mm-hmm. they're they're be, they're middle-aged and they're losing their panda oh <laughs> so it's a pixar movie it's a pixar movie for 45 year olds yeah. <laughs> i'll take andy's idea and, and uh come up with the the title um when kj had told me this was going to be the question my gut reaction was turning blue subtitle adulting so, <laughs> the idea of they're moving out of Very good. their teenage years mm-hmm. and so maybe their color changes they no longer are red pandas they become like a possum mm-hmm. <laughs> a blue possum I'm definitely a full-blown possum right now <laughs> I also feel like there's some uh some double meaning to the turning blue adulting as if it's like adulting is turning blue mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like yeah. Yeah. So sad. When it's just too much, you just play dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Possum oh, style. I really like yeah. that. That's interesting. You, you like if you're panda long enough, they, they don't know this because they weren't panda ever that long. Then you start to you start to opossum and turn blue. You turn blue <laughs> and you just get smaller. I think I have the solution. Can Cher show up as the great grandmother and then revitalize <laughs> everybody and <laughs> Yes. We're turning red again. Like it's <laughs> huge dance number, huge finale. The four town comes back in. Everybody on sing. Yeah. Yeah. Grand finale. Wait, wait a minute. I'm getting a call, guys. Hollywood is calling. They want our ideas. <laughs> we're good to go. It's time for question three. What is the name of May's Tomagachi like toy? Do you want to know what? It, oh, never mind. Never mind. Locked in. I'm locked in. All right. Yeah. No idea. Locked in. Locked in with no answer. Locked in, but I also don't know, and I can't even think of a good Canadian joke here. 
<laughs> you want to give it a whirl or just submit um is it lon cheney jr <laughs> okay <laughs> fair enough <laughs> all right nora you're up next i feel like it was something like french canadian sounding it was like jean something i don't know uh i <laughs> jean-luc picard all right yes. yes a very good space i'm hungry i'm hungry <laughs> all, all he wants is earl gray black <laughs> and it was a good crowd yeah. for that joke <laughs> it was hot tea hot um i really don't know but for some reason the name like uh, timiko or something uh is stuck in my head all right rachel what do you have yeah, it, I I think it's something multiple syllables. I thought it also started with a T. It was like Tedeschi or something like that. I can very vividly picture her going like smacking the thing and being like, all right, let's go, Tedeschi or Trudeau. whatever. Something. No, it was more of the howls. It was more of the howls, but that would be amazing. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with Tedeschi, final answer. Plus it was set in, pre, it was set in pre-Trudeau Canada, so it couldn't be Trudeau. Oh, true. Well, it was the other Trudeau. There was two yeah. Trudeaus. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Tedeschi um, sounds like a maple leaf. Saved by Tedeschi. He was my pediatrician as a child. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's this listening. I love to ask her. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For the Prince, save us. Oh, yeah. I, no, I'm not saving anybody. Uh, uh, I, it looked like a little steamed like bun. And I know that the director had was the her first thing was the little short for bow, B A O. Like that was her oh. first Pixar uh, video. So I'm going to say that. I don't know if that, I don't think it's right though. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. No one had it. Not a good question, but it was a Robert Jr. Named oh. for her. Name for the, the boy band? Yes. Her crush in the, in the boy band. Good one. Uh, That's right. She does say you're going to, we're going to meet your father. So right there or something like that. Doesn't she to, to the yeah, little Tamagotchi? And uncles. Yeah. And your uncles. And your, yes, yeah. and your hot uncles. Yep. <laughs> That explains why that joke didn't make sense to me because I didn't get it. <laughs> you were never a teen girl. Yeah. So the, the names of all the, the band members, I was just going over my head constantly. Or what kind of Tamagotchis were you imagining these hot uncles to? <laughs> Some hot Tamagotchis that Andy played with. <laughs> All right. So I brought this question forward, not so much for Tamaguchi's, though, reminisce away if you'd like, but I, I, more about the scene. Um, there, there isn't there hasn't been a lot of movies, I think, that are about like the 2002 scene and especially that boy band lust type thing, the, especially that, you know, circa, let's say 1998 to 2002 where you get the, you know, the in-sync um, and then before, slightly before that Backstreet Boy sort of bubble of, of the boy band. And I was wondering what people thought of the scene, that kind of world, that kind of Toronto and how it was put forward. I, I really loved it because it's, I'm a little older than it would have been, but I was pretty close. I would have been, I don't know, probably 15 or 16 
when this when this uh, girl was 13. So it, it made a lot of sense to me. I understood a lot of the stuff. It took me a second to realize where they were until I saw it on the camcorder at the bottom. It actually said 2002. But then I started noticing all the flip phones and the, then the Tamagotchi actually made sense, like why she had one. Uh, so I, I really I really dug it. I thought it was pretty much I, I assumed that it was because the director like this is I don't want to say it's biographical, but it's definitely got a little piece of biography for a lot of the, the filmmakers who made it. And they all seem to be close in age to myself, like late 30s to early 40s. So I felt like maybe that year was picked specifically because one of them, maybe the director, maybe a producer was 13 in 2002. And a lot of the the boy band craze and a lot of the being a teenage girl kind of thing came from their personal experience. At least I, that's what I assumed. I don't know if that's correct, but that was my assumption. She was born in uh, 89, the director. I feel like that would have been dead on for that. Because I feel like the, like the age I am, it was like my friends, like little sisters were the ones that were like ob- obsessed with the boy bands and stuff. Uh, but I mean, I, I thought it was like both, it made me feel old that it's like, this is set in the past in 2002. Like that's you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> like, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh like all the throwback stuff and the different little things that make it that time period the you know all the like the houses still having like every house had a phone all the flip phones all that like all of that stuff uh was very like accurate and fun like it was a it, it's a not a period i would have picked or like thought people would pick for a movie but definitely i i liked it i like the um the vibe of the the story would be a lot different now because I think a, a movie about modern middle school would be a movie about smartphones and social media and, and, and modulating middle school friendships through that medium. But they got to skip that. And, uh, and it was, it was more, you know, IRL basically. Uh, a movie about middle school today is the top of somebody's head because their fa- their head is down and they're in their phone. Yeah. It's you don't actually see anybody's face. I don't think anymore. Like all the modern movies, where it's just like the the, the basically the, the text string over over a, a shot of them, you know, typing and all the all the emojis. Yeah, that's a lot of movies have to set things in the past in order to avoid the fact that cell phones will solve a lot of problems pretty easily, <laughs> yeah. or or take away kind of like you're saying, Andy and Chris, like the kind of dramatic, um, the the opportunity to have more interesting visual images because. Otherwise, people would just be communicating via text. Um, it was nice that it moved it out of the the kind of social media dynamic in order to have this kind of live action, so to speak, thing that's going on. I would say I liked their depiction of Toronto too. I haven't been to Toronto, but my understanding is it's it's sort of like a, a somewhat laid back Queens. It is it is a very um, uh, very oddly diverse city that has a lot of these different kind of cultures compacted within it. And that sort of sense of cultural compact that the, all these different types of people are kind of um, butting up against each other, I thought was, uh, was not overly emphasized, but certainly distinct. Uh, one other funny thing was that our kids did not realize the flip phones were phones. They didn't know what they were. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Had no idea. What did they think they we were? Like, we like her. We were like, yeah, when she was on her phone. And Penny's like, what do you mean? She's like, like, she no, didn't have a phone. She didn't have a phone. I was like, no, she called on the phone. And then we were wound to a part. And like, she's like, oh, that? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, 
I'm like, A, that's a phone. And B, the only things you can do on it are talk to people and text. That slowly. is it. Very slowly. <laughs> we didn't get into T9 Word. I didn't think they were ready for that. But like, they had no idea. What, like, I mean, and like the four-year-old maybe, but Teddy's 10. She had no idea what that was. That's wild. Yeah. Like, whoa. But like what, what you said, Nora, the idea that it was such an odd time period to choose. Like you don't see movies set in like the very early 2000s. You see like late 90s movies and you see like more modern day movies. But I feel like they walked a very fine line and they did a really good job of it in the idea that, that you know, it was set 20 years ago. But like, I guarantee you, if you asked our kids, they wouldn't have realized that it was set 20 years ago. Like they were able to relate to it and it didn't feel like an old movie. And in our house, I'm married to KJ. So we watch a lot of old movies and <laughs> we watch a lot of 80s and 90s movies. And, you know, if we just want to scare our children, we tell them we're going to watch E.T. Um, and they they howl. Um, and so those movies to them, they like those are old movies. So it was fascinating to me that this was set 20 years ago. But, you know, if you had told my kids it was set in 2022, they, they wouldn't have thought. I mean, yes, the, the flip films, but like you know, they've, they've at least seen them. So they, they probably would have told you like, oh, it's because they're not allowed to have like a smartphone yet. You know, they're middle school kids. So I think Pixar does a really good job of catering to both crowds, catering to the kids, as well as catering to the parents who are going to watch it with their For kids. Sure. So I, th- yeah. I think that's definitely one of those little homages to let's make it as modern as we can to keep the kids entertained while the parents can pick apart and see all these little nostalgic things that they're going to love because they're going to, as Nora said, watch it over and over and over and over and over again. (laughs) I appreciated that there wasn't a sense of nostalgia lust, right? That that wasn't the kind of lure that was dangled in in front of the audience. Um, It was something like Rachel, you had pointed this out that you, you, if this movie indicated that it was set in 2021, you really wouldn't have noticed very much. Um, I would have just assumed that middle schoolers aren't allowed to have cell phones um and and everything else would have been you know more or less the same or she's not allowed to have her computer right the the kind of strictness of her mother would have (laughs) would have solved some of these media problems um and that's that's an interesting line to walk to kind of capture the sense of the scene uh and i remember clearly when boy bands hit their it hit their apogee right which i think was about 2000 2000 was uh, Bye 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 came out. So maybe 2000 was the apogee. Uh, And you had, I think, um, Backstreet Boys had their last album of that first era, what was 97 or 98? So, you know, right around that, I might have that wrong. They might have had an album after that. Uh, But yeah, I think they walked that that really nice line between recognizing a time period and not, um, not selling us the time period. I did think it was funny that the I, the music was done by Billie Eilish and her brother, whose name I would know if I was more Phineas. aware of such things. Um, mm-hmm. And she has said before in like multiple interviews that she was like a super big Justin Bieber fan. Like she was that girl for mm-hmm. Justin Bieber when she was that age. So I thought it was like funny that like, yeah. of course they would get that like vibe and like make the music that fit that tone. And Phineas was one of the the boys, and he he voiced one of the boys for the. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was Jesse. He was Jesse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for question four. What city 
is Fortown actually playing in on the day Locked the in. girls locked in. locked in locked in locked in is this a trick question what? <laughs> you either know it or you don't it, 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 is, it, it isn't intended to be a trick question but I might have tricked you in spite of myself <laughs> alright KJ what do you have so the act I know there was a sign and the name of the stadium was something, but I, the actual city, I thought it was Toronto, Toronto. I'm going with Toronto. Because she thought it was going to be on a date that was different than her ceremony. And the date turned out to be her ceremony. They were playing on the date that it was supposed to be before the ceremony in Toledo, Ohio. My answer was Toledo as well. For the same exact reason. It was on the flyer. The girl got it wrong. Toledo, Ohio. All right. And Chris, if you want to win it, you better say. It was definitely Toledo, Ohio. Oh, right. And it was Toledo, Ohio. And that means Chris is our champion, squeaking it out with one point ahead of everyone else, except KJ. Well done. And there we go. Congratulations, Chris. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Um, so I brought this question forward because I wanted to talk about um, the maybe part of the movie that I like the least uh but has to be brought up which is is the the climax and the the denouement um the stadium scene uh, i was wondering what people thought of this how this movie closed up um and how the mother was brought into the conflict in a new way so so before we do they traverse from toronto to toledo and back again a few times or it's just one, it's a one way. Just, just Toronto. Okay. So Toledo was only brought up because they thought the concert was going to be on the 18th, but then the, they found out the concert was really going to be on the 25th. And the reason why that girl thought it was going to be on the 18th is because she read the flyer wrong and she was telling them the Toledo date. So mm-hmm. No one ever went to Toledo. It was just... Oh, they were on the just, roof. She told them the 18th because... She thought she read the she read the flyer wrong and thought Got Toledo it. was Toronto. So when we saw Four Town singing, it was in, it was Toronto. in Toronto. It was the in actual Toronto. city. On the, they on were the in. No one ever went to Toledo. Fun fact: okay. No one ever was, does. I was go looking to up Toledo. the mile. It's like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's like I hear they make really good vacuums there, or whatever it is. <laughs> no one wants to go to Toledo. Red pandas also fly. <laughs> I know, but not everybody. <laughs> they all got their passports. How many miles is it from Toledo to Toronto? It's almost 300 miles. And if only we had smartphones. Right after the Patriot Act. So I, there's also bound. <laughs> like I was going to say, I'm like, they would have had to. The flights were super tied up cheap. In customs. Yeah. <laughs> it was very affordable to fly in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, to go back to your uh, question, I thought it took an interesting turn there because before that, the the supernatural kind of physical power nature of the panda didn't come into play that much except for a little bit of fighting and and like i was saying that the kind of travel thing but then the mom turns into like the stay puff marshmallow man and basically <laughs> destroys the stadium wreaking crazy havoc on a gigantic i mean it's just it turns into a disaster movie like it's it, it's way different than she becomes with a, <laughs> i i like i like the tool as as a child, your parents are these like giant gods. Like as a as a young kid, 
like looking up to your parents and like they are the be all end all and they know everything and they can uh, this is going to sound but they, they they can they can literally take everything from you like they are these huge gigantic presences in your life and i feel like she was standing up to her mom at that moment and that's why they depicted her as so large like she is the looming character over her like choice to be herself the red panda versus the the dutiful girl that i think the mom kind of wants her to maybe be so i think that was the kind of juxtaposition of the, of the size just make her like super big because she is so menacing in her life not in an evil way not in a bad way just in a like a psychological way it's like this is the parent this is the person i've looked up my whole life and i'm actually i don't want to say betraying them but i'm going against what they want and it's like this large monster almost kind of like looming over her when she's finally making that decision yeah i hadn't thought of that but i really like that like facing up to her even though she's like this big scary monster at the end but what had struck me was i also feel like there's this feeling when you're a kid and you're going through all that stuff of like you don't understand like yeah i know you're saying that you went through something similar but it could not have possibly been as bad as whatever i'm experiencing right then it's like that total self-centered like 12 to 13 year old kid Mm -hmm. thing and then for her mom to be like, oh no, you think you had it bad? I turned into this, like <laughs> that moment of like, oh, oh, like, so my thing that I'm dealing with, actually my mom had it worse than me. Like mm-hmm. that, that was like an interesting, cause it's like, you said she was big and they're like, mm. <laughs> the, the dad was like, she was very destructive. I, th- I thought it was a nice moment when they had, when they're like in the bamboo forest and the young girl meets the young mom and they have like that kind of moment where the young girl has to basically tell the mom it's going to be okay. And I, it's kind of curious, like, th- like that, that character, that young girl who is the mom doesn't know that that's her daughter. Like that's kind of a weird, a weird kind of, a weird kind of like time warp thing. But that was, I thought that was really touching, like how the young kid had to tell the mom it's going to be okay. Their relationship was pretty great throughout the movie. The mom was overbearing, but she wasn't a witch, right? She wasn't a villain until she became the the giant panda. Um, mm-hmm. Before that, May respected her mom, uh, you know, way more than I imagine most 13-year-olds do. Like, their relationship was, wasn't villainized, as it, it may have been in, in a lot of other movies with a, a teenager and an overbearing mom. Yeah, she, she's not a bad mom, and they have a they seem to have a very good relationship. It's just, it, it's the inevitability of becoming an adult is, is you have to kind of push away from your parents and go do your own thing and raise another child, you know, become a parent on, on yourself. Um, I, I found the kind of giant panda thing. I, Chris, I, 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 I do like your interpretation that this is this kind of bigger than life thing. Um, this kind of terrifying or frightening thing. But the whole movie up to that point was driving towards this idea of the panda isn't this thing to be scared of. It's this thing to embrace, right? And when you have your social circle that you as an independent person develop, that's when you can kind of control this new individual adult person and make it, um, make it beautiful, right? It's not the scary thing. It's a part of why you are beautiful. And it's because of, of the efforts you're making and the friendships and eventually families that you cultivate. For the mother, the, the panda really is 
something t- that needs to go away <laughs> you know this this is yeah. not like a beautiful individual blah 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 type thing yeah. like this this needs to be put it back into that little gem and, it's a natural disaster yeah and and like mm-hmm. gotten rid of and and I, I guess we could say that it's not the mother's fault either as a mother or when she was in that little girl form that she has this this giant demon um, but I found that aspect of it to be a bit confusing or confused in the end. The, you know, the, the really terrifying. And the, the father tries to redeem it in some way. He says, he, he seems to admire it, that she had this huge bit of energy. And, and it also seems to be what allowed the mother to marry the father, because that had been a conflict, the father says, uh, between the mother and, and the grandmother, that she was interested in this person who... Um, the grandmother de- deemed not worthy. Um, the destructiveness of that panda seemed to cut against a lot of what the what what May's panda was was representing and performing for May or doing for May. I don't know what what did people think of that. I, I found this a bit a bit confusing. I I agree with that. It's a little bit incongruous, and I think an extension of that is that May was the only one that chose to keep her panda. I really mm-hmm. thought that at the end. The whole family was going to have a revelation that the panda was a was a power, and that using her as an example, they could harness it. You know, they could they could deploy it when they want, like she could. And then they all just gave it up right away, went through the portal thing or whatever. And but she kept it, and I don't think they did a good job of explaining what it was that enabled her to keep it, or that drove her to keep it. Where the parents wanted to give it up, like how? What, why was it different? What did that represent? You know. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't know if I totally believe with what I'm going to say here. Just try to throw this out there, see if it sparks a conversation. What, what, what do you think about maybe it being big, like the that that panda being destructive because it was kind of like a repressed. I kind was of thinking thing. the same thing. Yeah. Like that maybe it, that like, it came like, out like almost not on purpose. Like it just it erupted. Like yeah, yeah like like the like if if it's if you if you're allowed to be yourself or act like yourself perhaps you can control these kind of like urges or these desires or this anger but if you have to kind of toe a line and you have to do this specific thing even though it's maybe not what you want it becomes more of a, of a, of a monster that kind of eats at you a little bit and can become more destructive like you see it at the end and maybe that's what the mom or the young the young version of the mom is so like worried about in the bamboo forest i i don't know i don't know if i agree with what i just said it's just that it came to my mind as you were talking about it i like it yeah i do still think the size is problematic like i'm very much with tom on that but i do think that it seemed to me that they were the message was like basically that like that generation had like decided to whatever toe the line and you know you basically use control like com- like complete compartmentalization and control to be the way that they got to the other side of it and that may was making the decision to like more integrate it into her like personality and like just be like like through acceptance she was going to be able to manage it without having to lock it away but i am with you on the whole godzilla thing that <laughs> was a little crazy <laughs> So the the grandmother, so it was like May was the smallest, then the grandmother's was was like an looked like an adult sized version of Mm -hmm. May's, and then there was like the mother's, which was giant. And I I felt it was um, like generationally, it was this idea that the grandmother 
you know, there was came from a generation of which right probably didn't have a whole heck of a lot of choice in anything in her life, but had like embraced it, whether it was culturally or just like this is what it was and like kind of understood why it was that way and maybe didn't like it, but had fully embraced it. And then the mother was that like middle generation um, where didn't like it at all. And it was like people were starting to like rebel against it. And so had like a lot of pent up feelings about it. And I, I fully believe I'm team the size of the panda is the size of your repressed emotions. Um, and then May's was, you know, you never really, even when she got like upset, right. She was, I mean, most teenagers get way more like enraged about stuff than she did. So like hers was more of this, like, it, it was smaller because she, she did show her emotions and, um, you know, her mom wasn't happy about it, but it, it was, I think we just had this conversation the other day, KJ, about this idea that like our grandparents, their, their parents made a lot of decisions for them, like their wedding, their house, there are a lot of things like that. And then like our parents are kind of like this middle generation of like where their parents may have made those decisions, but they didn't make those, our parents didn't make those decisions for us. So they kind of got like both sides. And then like our generation came along and was like, nope, we'll do our own thing. Thanks. Um, And so that for me, it was very like the three generations and how they handled being controlled. It's time for Movie Rent. We've been talking a lot about the giant panda that my other daughter said that was her favorite part when the when the giant panda showed up. Mm. Destroyed Rogers Stadium. (laughs) I did appreciate that they actually had the fundraiser to rebuild the stadium and they addressed mm-hmm. the fact that when you destroy something like that's bad like i feel like in other movies like things get destroyed and they're just like skipping off into the sunset yeah like, i don't know if they're ever going to raise that but what, what, what they're was at it? least trying. Was a really yeah. tall paper <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean that was in my uh my um my one word to describe is the cutie eyes but it's representative of kind of the stylized nature of the action. I mean, it was almost a, a bit of an action movie mixed in with kind of a teenage drama. But, but uh, I liked, I mean, obviously it's a cartoon about a girl turning into a panda. So the realism is out the window, but, but beyond, I mean, that can be kind of like the, the mythos of the, of the, the conceit of the show, you know, but like, the the stylization of it made it just really extra fun you know it was it was like quick action sometimes and the, and the cutie eyes and it just made it uh gave it that little little sprinkle of uh something else that made it more interesting i think it kind of reminded me of scott pilgrim yeah like hmm. that vibe which i also love speaking of the cutie eyes can we talk about how the ran the, the parents just ran have a random box of kittens just on the call like waiting <laughs> <laughs> like, and apparently all the generations have it because they said she even passed the kitten test like Hello. that means that all of them have had to pass the kitten test like mm-hmm. they just randomly keep kittens in a, in a box that's uh mm-hmm. that's that's in strange case of kitten emergency. <laughs> in case of emergency open box for kittens mm-hmm. Yeah, for generations, going back, yeah, going back to the Ming Dynasty, they've everybody, everybody in this family has a box of kittens. I like. Mm. I didn't know that uh, the director directed Bao. I saw Bao, you know, a while ago when it came out on Disney Plus, and uh, that's a weird short. I mean, it has some of the same themes of 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 growing up there, but um, the director re- 
really likes food probably which which <laughs> i'm i'm in for and the food in this movie made me really jealous i wanted to eat it it looked great and that yeah the characters were like oh we get to come over and eat his food amazing you know he was uh he was kind of famous for it and all that i don't know i wonder what style of uh, chinese cooking it was but it looked really tasty but the food must play an important role here. There's there's some deeper symbolism with the food. Yeah, it seems like she's she is interested in, and and what's what I like too is deeply respectful of this kind of traditionalist idea. The movie doesn't seem even in its its. I'm going to be an individual individualism, right? This movie has this kind of individualistic flavor to it. That's they they announce that at the end in the stadium speech. Um, but the movie does not seem to be poo-pooing these kind of traditional trappings or, or these little traditional lives. I mean, uh, the temple is is treated with respect. It's not really a place of conformity. And in the end, she's able to do her job at the temple even better because she's, she's taken on this kind of panda role. It does seem to be a movie about the balancing of your family life, which is also sort of a stand-in here for those kind of traditions and norms from the past and this sort of natural instinct to become independent and, and become your own person to you know live in a modern city like toronto is and to take those kind of cultures with you into you know into the the new world and so the 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 movie had this kind of nice balance there it didn't vilify one of those spheres it seemed to, to dance between those things it's kind of a movie about the melding of the spheres because at the very, big, mm -hmm. very beginning, there's a really bright line where she kind of had to transition into that <clears throat> traditional role. And at the end, it's much more fluid. Her friends are there. Mm -hmm. They're going to have dinner, the, the, the traditional Chinese dinner, and mm -hmm. it's much more mixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they, they got sort of overlap. They get along. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, Chris. Congrats, Chris. Thank you very much. Yay. All right. You can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We are extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. What other new releases would you like Talking Pictures Trivia to cover? Let us know on Twitter talkingpicturestrivia at gmail.com or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, it's always Thank a pleasure, you. guys. Thank you very much. All right. Good times. Great to see everybody. See you. You can find me on Twitter at thomaslayman15 and check out our sister podcast, Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. Join us next time when we start our biopic movie block by discussing Tom's recommendation from 1997, Coon Dune. Stay tuned for our first impressions of Coon Dune. Ding, 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 ding. Hey. Next week, we'll be discussing Coon Dune. Tom, how was your watch? I initially watched this movie in college in a, I believe it was a film class. Uh, I, 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 met, I think Pat Cavan was also in that class. Pat Cavan is a, a frequent guest here. And I really 
love this movie. I have not seen it, I think, since the the late 2000s. I actually have it on DVD to, to talk about how how long it's been since I've seen it. Um, and re-watching it again, I, oh man, this movie kills me. I really love it. I think it is my favorite Scorsese film. I, I think that that ending sequence, the last 15 minutes of it or so, uh, really make me, you know, I wouldn't say upset, but are overwhelming. I think it's the most overwhelming anything Scorsese has done is it it's um it's really hard to describe the, the that last montage how hard it hits you how uh how deeply um ironic and unveiling it is at the same time um i think and it's also a very deeply strange movie it's a movie made by an outsider looking in on something he doesn't fully understand but still holds appreciation for. And I'm in that position as well, not, not being a Buddhist or a Tibetan or anything like that, that I, I feel Scorsese's position as that outsider looking in. And I, I really adore this movie, especially that, that ending 10, 20, 30 minutes. It's, it's, it's devastating and it's overwhelming. Kevin, how was your first watch? Uh, so uh, I just watched this recently over the past few days, and um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Dalai Lama. I'm a big fan of uh, you know Eastern philosophy. Um, so I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen this movie, but uh, I, I did really, really enjoy it. Um, you know, my first impression of it was that it's a little bit dated, I think, but uh, it holds up well at the same time, um, if that makes sense. But yeah, I think what you said absolutely makes sense that it's it, it, it hits you in, in a way that I guess you kind of expect, but is, is uh, devastating all the same. What did you think, KJ? So I, the first time I watched this film was in high school for a class. We had TV production class in high school. And the teacher, um, Salisbury, she puts this movie on and was really excited, I guess, about the camera work. So the only thing I really remembered about this movie was, oh, the camera work. Oh, look, first person, the camera work. Very exciting. So on this watch, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was just going to be the camera work. But holy moly, guys, I'm sitting on the couch, like almost in tears, thinking, well, how are we going to talk about this? So, um, yeah, it's it's not an easy movie. How about you, Nick? This is a great movie to multitask while watching. So I was able to do three meal preps uh, for this new dinner service, meal kit service I have over three nights to finally finish this film on time today. That being said, I did really enjoy learning more about the history of the Dalai Lama, but uh, I don't know if I could have uh, thrown this one on the big screen and just sat there for two hours and change and watched it straight. So uh, I'm, I think we're going to have some interesting conversation about this one from uh, different perspectives. Moving on, Tom, are you frozen? Ooh, I think Tom might look like that all the time, but I think he's frozen that way. <laughs> it's a very austere look. <laughs> it does look like that a lot. <laughs> Only one of you knew the title. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> to take a screenshot here. 
Oh, it's too oh, slow. I took a screenshot. I got one. 